0: I'm in the shit house, wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill, so I can pass out on the jukebox singing oh, guitar, women.
1: Welcome to the podcast, Pod gave rock and roll to you This week we will be discussing Tainted Love a song originally recorded by Grace Jones in 1964 and popularized by the band Soft Cell in 1981.
2: I think this song is, uh, it's unique because it's a, it's just a, a pure, such a pure example of music. It's not lyric heavy. It's not riff heavy based on the guitar. It's just pure songwriting. And also, a. Uh, uh, production and arrangement because as as some of you may know it is a cover in, in which case i would like to announce the uh first edition of under the covers <laughs> that being said I, I i think it's a but it's just a combination of songwriting in its purest sense in the sense that it's malleable with different voices it's not there again it's not dependent on amazing guitar playing it's not depending on an amazing vocalist it's not depending on amazing lyrics it's just a really a a complete package of a song
1: i like the way you put that because listening to this song all week i couldn't figure out why or even if i liked the song but i knew that it was catchy and it stuck in my head and i didn't mind listening to it again so, so I, I like the way you just put that of it's not dependent on a specific thing, but there is something about it and nothing about the song, like none of the individual parts of the song really stuck out to me at all, but it still stuck in my head. There's something that just sticks.
3: Because it is, it's all synth and, and vocals, pretty much. I mean, there's there's no actual instruments being played on the whole thing. It's all synth bass, synth keys, Um, you know, they're instruments, but they're not traditional it really is such a great example of an amazing cover song that you know what was it 30 years no 20 years later 15 Mm -hmm. it's a great it's a great example of 80s synth sound like it's you know it's one of the first examples of a hit in that that sound
2: i think it's also so interesting that it's like a combination of what you may consider opposites in the sense that it's really an r&b song but it was done by these new wave guys that really made it famous. And I think that maybe kind of shows that the true connection to the song is the emotional content of being involved with someone who treats you like shit. And I think that's the kind of thing that most everyone at some point in their life can recognize. And, and so the overall theme is probably the single most
3: significant part of the song. And one thing I was trying to figure out, I was trying to figure out why the original is not half as good as the cover. You know, the original, just the way it was performed, it has a very, like, uh, hit-the-road-jack vibe to it, you know what I mean? Just like, bump, 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 bump. Um, and it's, a like, just the way Soft Cell did it in such a just tortured, creep, not creepy, tortured, sad way, it's,
2: I, I think the uh, the original of the Gloria Jones is it's fun just because of the musicality. It's got a good vibe, but I think the soft sell version really brings the jarring, like the damage that someone can do to you psychologically. It, it, it's very ominous. It's it's not fun. It's and, and and when someone's jerking you around emotionally, there's nothing fun about it.
1: The emotional content, and they really hammer it, just the repetition of tainted love throughout the song. That is arguably the most memorable aspect of, well, let me not say memorable aspect, but I would say it it overshadows the rest of the song. You cannot listen to any of the other lyrics or or really know what they're saying, and just the tainted love, the repetition.
2: I can make a case the pre-chorus is the strongest part of the song. Once I ran to you na-na-da-da-da-da. because it's amazing the chorus is essentially the same as the verse but that three chorus part is super strong yeah I don't
3: think you have to argue that and it's the way it comes in is so soft, no pun intended because it 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 brings in the major chords like it, it like that little change is so huge because you don't you don't see it going there the first time you hear the song you're just like it's kind of got this um just dark vibe to it and then just it comes in with that major chord, and it's and it really is the synth. The way they just – it's not punchy. It's just like, mm, once I ran to you.
1: Yeah, the, the vo- that's probably, in my mind, the strongest vocal. Uh, it, and it's it's the only part of the song, really, that reminded me of the original because it still keeps some of that kind of – I don't know if you would say gospel or Motown um, because, like, you referred to the original earlier, and it is a, a, a fairly, I would say, mediocre – Song of that ilk at that time. It doesn't really stand up to say a song by the Supreme, any song that I've ever heard by the Supremes. It's it's very forgetful, but it, it that's almost like a little callback to the Gloria Jones version in that that little part.
2: Typically, we tend to think of minor chords as being a little darker, maybe a little more emotional. Major chords being brighter, more optimistic, and that the pre-chorus goes to that major when it's like reflecting on once i ran to you and then that's when they're major and it stays major and then it and then it it stays until it goes back to the minor which then brings you back to the minor key and uh you don't really hear songs i want to say you don't hear songs written that well too often but you can make a case you can make a case that you don't hear songs produced that well very often because We've seen that the songwriting is good, but that soft subversion, version, it's the production that really makes it happen.
3: Yeah, and <clears throat> Josh, you just brought up the Supremes, and I really think the best iteration of this song is that, that long cut where they do go into Where Did Our Love Go, Supremes. It just seems to really round out the whole feeling. Did you hear that?
1: Yes, that, that's how they originally released it. And it's—I
3: mean—it's just amazing. It's so it's two Motown covers, and it's it's just such a great example of taking music and putting it in a whole different genre. And really, I mean, it just it sounds uh, completely different from any of that stuff. But I really love that version. I think that that's really the pinnacle of. This song.
1: Well, and also talking about taking you know two different genres or taking one genre and kind of mixing it in, into another, I would say lyrically, just as impressive. The emotional torture, it's it's very relatable for anyone, any race, any gender, any anybody can relate to tainted love and and the contradictions throughout the song. Like once I ran to you, now I, now I, I I run from you, or I, I cannot stand the way you tease. I love you though, you hurt me so. Now I'm gonna pack my things and go. It, it's just all this confusion and and the chaos that when you're in a bad relationship brings
3: yeah and it's funny it took uh it took these guys to really bring this song to what it could be because gloria jones um she recorded it in 64 and then she tried it again in 76 um her then current boyfriend um i'm not sure what his name is but they mark Bolin, t-rex yes yes they did it again it was arguably worse than the first version i think the guy who produced the Soft Cell version, was surprised when uh, when they wanted to do this song because he was just like, that song? What are you talking about? And he said, he said on the 76 version he could smell the coke on the record. Just hectic and just cheesy. and. It's probably because he actually
2: had cocaine on the record
3: um, <laughs> as they were doing it.
2: That being said, and it's very telling that the song's not called Hate. It never mentions hate. It's Tainted Love, which is... So they're still saying there's still love there, and which is the real – that's the insidious, the real – that really shows how deep the hook is. It's not like, I hate you. It's like, I love you. I fucking hate that I love you, but I still love you. Yeah, everyone's felt
1: that way. Every, every Everyone's felt that way at some point, and then in some relationship that was tainted. The the
2: other thing I think, Josh, um, you're talking about what makes that version uh, better, is that little synth riff, that little octave.
1: The, little boom, boom, boom.
2: There's something about that that really – and the relative minimalism because as complex as emotions can be, the emotional impact of being distraught is relatively simple. And I think the pared down, stripped down with the riff, vibe they, they get really conveys that that emotional content because it's not – So it's not so boppy. There's not so many instruments.
1: The song itself, going back to that riff, it almost draws you into into a lull. There's nothing that really stands out. I would say that riff is probably the closest thing, but it's what were the things where they would say that on TV they would put in these hidden advertisements, you know, that we're supposed to subconsciously like bring you in. It's almost like that. Oh, in, uh, in this song where that it just it like, brings you in at the beginning and you're just kind of in a trance <laughs> and you, you relate to the to the the themes of it and you're just kind of bobbing your head every every couple seconds or whenever that, that hit comes in. It, it, it's almost like you're a robot now.
2: Is it not subliminal? I think maybe the subliminal word Subliminal
1: Messaging, yes.
2: But the thing about this you have that, that synth riff, but then the bass line it goes up like a minor third, and then it goes to the fourth, and then but it's simultaneously interesting, and you want to hear it, but it's also kind of tension-building. And it's very hard to make something evocative or, 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 or something that you want to hear repeatedly that is also Belize tension. That's a very tricky thing to pull off, and I think maybe
3: that's kind of part of the secret sauce of this song. i get behind that. I think it's cool that the whole song, this iteration, it just seemed like a big accident, really. Like, they really didn't think this was going to be a huge hit. I know they, they just wanted a song, a soul song, that they could cover at the end of their shows. They played around with possibly doing a Frankie Valley tune. They landed on this. I know the, the record company wanted them to add instruments, and they are like, ah, whatever. Um, you know, it sounds good like this. And apparently the um, the vocal track on the song was the first take that they just did to like try to see how it sounded and work things out. And they're like, well, you nailed it. Even though it is, um, I know the singer said he was a little like a little flat throughout some of it. You know, you can't really hear that unless you, unless you're your own critic, but it is great that it's just kind of they just stumbled onto this. Like
1: one thing that stuck at stuck at, about the vocal. Like I, I can see that that would be the first take. It's, it's very, it's a very lazy vocal. I don't say that in a derogatory way. You know, it's almost like he's speaking instead of singing with a little bit of passion, but not enough to really get there. It's almost like he's indifferent in some way.
2: It, it sounds depressed. It sounds lethargic and complacent because what's the you It sounds like giving up. Whereas, it definitely
1: works for the song.
3: Yeah, because it, it is full of emotion, even though it does sound depressed and kind of lazy. But but it, but it's that's why it works, because he, he sounds really tortured.
2: The Gloria Jones version, I mean, she's obviously a, a great singer and stuff, but it's more defiant. It's more a middle finger. Yes. Where this one's more like, like that one she has her guard up. This one, someone got in past his guard, and he's just kind of a mess because of it.
1: The one thing I found kind of funny and my mind kept wandering to listening to both of these. So the Gloria Jones version, I mean, both of these songs in in, in both of those iterations, and I guess you could say the seventy six one one as well. It belongs in the disco age, you know, but the Gloria Jones version, you can't take that out of the early 60s. You can only picture her in like a little dress with like that specific hairstyle. I'm not going to try to come up with a name for that, but. The specific hairstyle like a, a, a valley, in the Valley of the Dolls movie, like where they're just kind of dancing, little dance set pieces, and, and you're defiant like, women's, you know, uh, live is, is, is bubbling up, and you're just like, hey, I'm getting out of here. And then in the 80s, obviously, soft Cell is, you can't listen to the song and not see the hairstyles and the music videos and the, of that time. So I would say I don't know if this song is timeless because of that, because I can only picture it in one t- time can't take it out of the 80s no
2: but to this day you might hear that song at 1 a.m in a bar and everyone would dig it i mean i've played it solo you know acoustic and i had a dude come up and be like you play tainted like no one plays tainted love and he was very <laughs> excited about it so while it is very kind of period specific you could argue that with the kind of cyclical nature of music it's kind of popular again. But at the same time, I mean, I'm the least new wavy kind of dude you know, you're know. you going to find. But I've never minded hearing the song. I've always been like, this is, a, this is a cool song.
3: And I think it is just because of the emotion in it. I think it speaks to just how important a key change can be. Because the original was in C. This one's in G, just lower. I think just lowering it down, slowing it down. And just really kind of dragging it out and making it a lot more not defiant, just sad. And.
1: For people who don't know, what do you mean when you say a key change?
3: I'm not a key change. We're just changing the key of the song from C to G. It just it, It's just lower. And Okay, so you're just dropping it down.
2: I, I think the tempo may be more of an issue there than maybe the key change in the sense that I don't know that folks can really recognize different placements because... He should be singing in about the same place roughly she is. Like he's he's in the top, I'd say third of his voice, kinda like she is. But that sure. slowed down tempo yes. really suggests it being subdued.
3: Yes. I, I hear what you're saying, that that it's the same intervals. But the, I mean that just speaks to like the magic of certain keys. We you can't define why some keys sound better or or more more suited for certain songs. They just are. And mathematically, no. But sonically, yes.
2: I think certain keys are more are suited to the singer. I don't know that. I disagree.
3: Oh, I can't tell what key of songs. I might listen to it. Um, I, I can mean, sometimes. Um, but, but you can hear the difference. Like even if you're playing a song, just because you can't sing it, it feels more natural in certain keys. And some I, songs, like if you played any song in just a completely different key that's in A and you play it in C sharp, it's going to sound
1: different I agree I agree with that in some sense of there there are certain songs that I've worked on to cover and it wasn't in my range and when I changed it to my range I I decided not to cover the song because I'm like this doesn't feel right doesn't sound right
2: I, I still think that's a relative thing I don't think like that's just me like obviously you know we can agree disagree but I think if we if we do feel like it feels weird it's because we're just accustomed to hearing it one way but if you can't tell what key a songs in I don't know that you can tell one key is better than another
3: they're not better but they're sonically vibrate differently and give you different emotions yeah I don't I don't I don't I don't think, you don't so. think they do you don't think there's different vibrations Well there they're are there's frequencies
2: yeah but you but you can't tell what the frequency is so therefore you can't say this one's better or this one's More this, or then it's just like, so the more frequency, the more notes. I think some
1: people can tell you what key it's in.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. People with perfect pitch, but like, you can't tell me what key the song's in without a guitar. You know, just like, I can get close by, I know some tricks, but like.
3: Just because you can't tell, just because you can't point it out doesn't mean you don't feel it. I think if you like it, then you attribute good qualities to that key. And if you
2: don't like it, then I think that's more tempo and arrangement.
1: I think it, it all lies in, in 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 the listener, the singer, the performer. Um, however, you want to interpret it.
2: You're saying it
3: just would... all lies with everyone involved.
2: Yes, that's very a good point there, Josh. And every. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but are you saying like because uh, there's like there's not many songs in like D sharp, um, E flat. All the Hendrix songs are in E flat. Yeah, he tuned his guitar down to that. Yes, but he still played it in E, what? like those those shapes. But yes, the, there's just there's a reason that. A lot of songs are in G, A. Cause they're easy to play on the guitar. You think that's it? Yeah.
1: So, question about we're talking about the key of G, and I, I know this song. When I was playing around with it, 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 it's G, and then it goes to the E minor. Which in that scenario, what what is that? The the actually uh,
2: this this song's in G minor. It's it's a, this song's in a minor key.
1: I would. It sounded like it was in a minor key, but I, it says it's in the key of G. So, what oh, is the yeah. difference? How does that? There is no.
2: It's in G minor though. On, on 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 Wikipedia, it says G. It's in G minor
1: though. So if it's in G, it can be in G or G minor.
2: No, it's G minor is not the same key as G major. So this is just a Wikipedia fuck up. It's in G minor. The first chord
1: is G minor. But it, you can get by playing it with a G, right? No. no,
3: no, no, no. No, it's it's based more on the like the the root notes, and it's got minor. It, there, there's no guitar, so there's no. Guitar,
2: but, if you, know. but the first, but like when it goes the one I ran to you, now that's G major. That's the that's the okay. If you play, if a song is in G minor and then you move to G major, that's what's called moving to the parallel major. Parallel major means it's the same root note, but it's the major version of it. So it gotcha. starts on the boom 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 boom, but you know it's the one I ran to you. That goes to the major chord there the ah uh, or yeah and then then it stays major and then it and, and then it goes back to the tainted love give, give you one give you all the boy I could give take my tears, then it goes back to the minor
1: right there gotcha okay so we started I, I was gonna ask this question because I don't think I've ever really known exactly I'm pretty sure I'm wrong about this what a synth is it's a keyboard with specific settings uh
2: well keyboard is I think this keyboard is just the physicality of like what and it's you know that's just like but the synth it it, it's it's something that sorry well but yeah so everyone listening can see this keyboard i'm holding up here (laughs) and that's to make my point but my point is the keyboard is just the physicality of it the way a synthesizer it's synthesized sound yeah exactly it's not an acoustic nothing's vibrating to make a sound wave it's oscillations instead of vibrations.
1: I read this biography of uh, Michael Michael Bloomfield, and I, he was one of the first people, I guess he knew the Moog synthesizer, the guy who created that, he knew that guy in the mid-60s, and he was starting to use it when he was doing soundtrack work. The synthesizer's been around for only, I mean, it's a fairly young method of making sound. I mean, it's 50 years old, I would say at this point.
2: Relative to acoustic, sure.
1: But it didn't really become prevalent until the 80s, correct?
2: Uh, The 70s, to some extent. I mean, like, some of these guys like Kraftwerk and Bowie got into, you know, the synth and that kind of stuff. But uh, the guy who... Is
1: this the first all-synth hit song?
2: I I, I certainly can't say that. I don't know that. Can't say it, but it was early, you know. 1981? Yeah. It's one of them. The guy who invented the Moog was named Bob Moog said so that I'm reading here the little research that says that he invented it in 64 and you'll see like oh now some some of the stuff on uh on a dark side of the moon is synth oh yeah some Yeah, actually
3: that, yeah I mean Pink Floyd was was huge in innovating that's true just yeah. that whole sound you know
2: yeah they're like like going in to breathe. On dark side of the Mo- on dark side of the moon, the' like all the crazy like mm-hmm. all the craziness like because you, you you you've seen footage of it if you can find it online where like they're just sitting there there's like all these like things around them where there's pictures I think of Rick Wakeman from yes and like what they would do is like in the 70s it's kind of a classic studio tale of how much time they would spend because they had so much money and they were just doing so much coke <laughs> this is like let's see what this does. Let's see what this does. Cause Bowie was like, we would get the owner's manual and just throw it away. And then we just go out there and start plugging things in and seeing what we got. And so, uh, but it, you could make a good case that until maybe the MPC, a, a, which allow people to make mess around beats it, is it was, it was maybe one of the last big innovations and in instruments where people could just totally experiment without having a, a history of it. They could just go into it with a blank slate.
1: I don't, You usually like songs I hear with synthesized sounds or using the synthesizer. Even this song, particularly like in the beginning, you got you have all these like random beat beats, noises that kind of go throughout, especially there's two in the opening riff. And I'm not sure how much they contribute to the song because I haven't heard the song without them. But I I find them completely unnecessary when I'm listening to it.
3: I, I think they're pretty important. I think they kind of allude to a heartbeat a little bit. I think you probably like more synth than you think. I think you just you attribute it to maybe you don't like as much new wave, but there's plenty of music I mean my morning jacket, all kind of things they, they use plenty of that stuff
1: yeah that's a that's a fair point it may it may just be kind of this time period in the songs and that time period because as Jonathan said, like the new wave sound is not something. there's not a lot of new wave songs that I prefer to hear. This one I don't mind i, I wouldn't like flock of seagulls would be in the in the in the new wave. I don't ever need to hear a flock of seagulls song again.
2: You don't. You don't. If you never heard "I ran so far away," you would miss it.
1: I would not miss it. I, I, I will run so far away from.
2: I feel like there's
3: <laughs> must be a fair amount of synth in the cars,
1: but there's also a lot of nice, tasty rock and roll guitars.
3: Yeah. Well, you, are you saying you, all synth songs? Yes. It's it's rare to find an all synth song that's great. Yes, I'm not saying synth is an but, instrument I but, dislike. I'm yeah, saying no. Just, synth is very important as far as just a lot of stuff we listen to. There is it's in there somewhere. All, like nothing but synth is is tough sometimes. <laughs>
2: I, I think like anything else, it's you know it's just like how it's used and it's tastefully used. Like you know, it's a the thing I like about it is it sounds so inherently different than a stringed instrument. Like I said, I'm, I'm a guitar player and I love drums and I love now I don't I don't love program beats as much, but I, I do just enjoy the difference it's almost like you're used to eating what your mom cooks what your mom cooks what your mom cooks and then like you know you try some sushi one day you're like what the hell is this it's like I don't need to eat sushi every day but it's nice to have something that is just categorically different sometimes I think
1: it's funny about this song to me like I I I was thinking about it all week and there was just something that bothered me about the song I don't love the song I don't hate the song I'm very indifferent to the song and it's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. I just I usually have pretty strong feelings about a song. This is just kind of like eh, if it's on, I'll listen to it. And, you know, I, I respect it. And I, I, I guess I would say I like it more than I dislike it.
3: Yeah. And I agree with you. I, I don't think I never think to put this song on or it's not in my repertoire of songs I listen to. But if it's used right and just or if it's put on at the right time or if it's used right in a movie or something like that, you're always like, oh, yeah, that song. That's, that's great. And to what I was saying before, I don't necessarily like it just by itself, but that long version with Where Did Our Love Go, like that whole thing, like when they put it with that, it kind of just makes it all make sense.
2: So when they rip off two other artists, it makes it like especially good. Yeah,
3: I mean, you can you can say rip it off, or you can <laughs> I, say, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, yeah. A, co- a
2: cover's a cover's a cover. Well, Gloria like, couldn't
3: make it a hit. Twice, 100 percent. And they, uh, you know, we're still talking about it uh, 30, 40 years later.
1: Well, and that's I mean, that's that's a, a testament to the song itself. I mean, if you if you read the history, I mean, not only did Gloria Jones record it in 64 and then again in 76, but it basically became like a, an underground. The original 64 version became like a disco hit in the northern UK soul club scene. And that's what uh, the lead singer of Soft Mark Holman that's how he heard this song when he was working in a clo- in a cloakroom, and he heard, you know and he heard it and he got he asked the DJ if he could tape it, and then they put it into their their, their set. So it's it's just very strange. And then Marilyn Marilyn Manson it became a, a a UK hit for the second time in the '90s with the Marilyn Manson cover. So like it it's had a very long shelf life. Everyone knows it, and you're like, like – even in you hear it in a movie, you're like, ah, oh, Tainted Love, or, or you play it at a, at a gig late at night, and people are like, dude, Tainted Love. It, it's not something you ever think about, but when it comes on, you're like,
2: yeah, okay. I think this again, if nothing else, it, it really shows folks who aren't musicians, who aren't in the business, the power of production. It's not unlike production for a movie. You could have a great script. But if the director doesn't have the vision, if the cinematography is not there, if the if the if the casting isn't right, yeah, you can flop it. And I think with this one, it shows that even with all those good things, even with like I love T Rex. I think Mark Bowling's super cool. Gloria Jones can clearly sing. But even with all those things, there is still a um, mythical kind of X factor that production is that a good produ- producer can make a song really work.
3: Yeah, and before we uh, started diving into the song, it's it's so. They, they do it so well. I mean, Gloria Jones says it's the best version of the song. And when I used to hear that version, I thought it was like a throwback cover. Like they were trying to do like a 60 sound or like like an Amy Winehouse version oh, really? of Tainted Love. Yeah, huh. I never knew that. That's that funny. Was the original.
1: Uh-huh. I would have never thought that. I, and I, I will say a testament to the song itself is, you know, I've listened to it all week. I'm not sick of listening to it. So, I mean, that that could negate everything i've said I, I, the song I, i'll say the song is just confusing it's 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 confusing to me i think confusing, because
2: like, talk about confusing
1: what well, <laughs> confusing in terms of like i like i just said i don't hate it i don't love it but i'm not i've listened to it probably 15 times this week i'm yeah, not tired of it so
2: like it? Oh, i say another great version uh, another great cover since we are under the covers there's a Taj Mahal version of Honky Tonk Women where he's just by himself, like playing acoustic guitar and harmonica, and it and I knew intellectually to my bones that it was a Stone song, but it was so good that I was like, wait a minute, did they? Is this is this a cover? Because <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. just so earthy and so good that, and so there again, uh, you know, for 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 the non-musicians out there, the way a song it's produced is massive um another example of that like there again the film analogy good will hunting you know originally robin williams wasn't cast it was like harrison ford or something like that and it's the kind of thing where like you can't imagine it now and, and, but and but once we see the results we can't imagine it ever being any other way but, you know, there's a lot of work and effort and lobbying on a bunch of different parts for for art to come out the way it does.
1: It, it takes a lot of luck. You can have a good you can you can write a great song that's never heard by anybody. I mean, this song took 17 years to, to chart. So that's 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 a long time.
3: Yeah. And it's just perspective, too. Like sometimes it just comes down to like this guy hit it on the first take because he just had such a different perspective. On the whole song and theme,
1: I did mention Marilyn Manson covered this song and it, it hit uh, number five on the UK charts. Did, did you guys listen to that? Uh,
3: about uh, thirty seconds of it, <laughs> but I did at one point. The lead singer from Soft Cell was performing it somewhere in the UK and was like, "We're about to play a Marilyn Manson song because at the time it was so
1: good. yeah." <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's a, a funny uh, anecdote, kind of like that, where um, Dylan has a uh, house of the rising sun on his first album. And he got that from I don't know, Ramblin' Jack Elliott, or one of these other guys in the village in New York, because it's just the old traditional song. And he started playing it. And then the, the first guy who was Ramblin' Jack Elliott or whatever was like, yeah, every time I played it after everybody was like, why are you playing this Dylan song? And then the animals cover it. And he ran into Dylan years later, and Dylan's like, every time I play that song now, somebody's like, why are you playing the animal song Bob Dylan? And so it's funny, <laughs> the power of a version of a song and how, how much of an impact it can make, there again, just based on the, the production. of it. I mean, it's, it, it's, it, that's why producers win Grammys and why they're so h- highly regarded, because
3: depending on the situation, they can make or break a song yeah it's production and it's just timing it's there so much goes into great art you know well it, it
1: it's a great song to show like how mu- how many perspectives usually go into a great piece of art artwork you know it, it, I wouldn't say all the time you have your like solo you know geniuses who 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 are very good at at doing everything, but you know just like like um, of the movie analogy, you have the director you know you take the written word, you put the music behind it. You need direction. Many different people can bring a specific direction to a song and, and, and make it something else, and I, I think this is a really good example of that. What would you say is your favorite part of the song, Johnny?
2: Probably that little intro riff and then the, the pre-chorus, the once I ran to you, uh, now I run from you. It really it just builds tension in such a efficient and cool way and then when it releases
3: back into the chorus, it really feels, it's really compelling stuff. Same here, just that pre-chorus, just the, the change to the major, and like I said before, how soft it is, and, and you just, you don't see it coming, and it, it just, when that tension is released, it sounds so good.
1: Those are the, again, as I said earlier, nothing nothing to me, like, it stood out to, to be like, oh, this one individual part is great. I think yeah. as a whole, it, this is a, this is one of those, songs that's just as a whole you can let's
2: put it this way it's one of the songs those kind of songs that are pretty rare where you can put it on and pretty much no one's gonna complain like no one's gonna be like oh man really if i can put this song on like it's just i've never i've never heard and i'll complain about anything man trust me but like but this one is like well
3: yeah yeah. it's a great song and then once you wrap the nostalgia into it where everyone's like oh you know i you know it's been around for so long and you you associate it with like the 80s
1: yeah. And that's, if you asked me before this week, like, is this a timeless song? I would say, no, it's a song that belongs in the eighties. That's only there for nostalgia. But after listening to it all week, I'd say, I don't know. I would say, I don't know. I wouldn't say yes, but I would, I'm, I'm thinking more about it than just an immediate no.
2: I think one of the things about this song, maybe Josh, uh, just, you know, to take a swing at maybe your mixed emotions about it is like, it's one of those songs where you don't want to be in that situation. Like you don't want to be that dude. Like you don't like. Like I always say. Like I love Radiohead. I think Radiohead's one of the best bands in the last thirty years. I wouldn't want to be in Radiohead. Like I want to be in the Stones or fucking Zeppelin. Or I want to go party and have a good time. But like sometimes some folks got to bring that vibe in that that contemplative part of yourself that you really don't want to spend time with. But they do it so well that. You still enjoy it, even if it's not the most comfortable thing in the world.
1: In saying that, you know, it. it's funny. Th- this was pretty much this Soft Cells only hit was this cover.
3: Like I said, my favorite version is where they're covering two different Motown songs. Like, yeah. what, what, if you want to keep covering Motown, I'd, I'd probably listen to their version of uh, <laughs> Motown's greatest hits, but uh, they didn't do it.
1: Well, speaking so. of other songs, uh, Johnny, it, it, recommendations for people who like this
3: um, thing?
2: Yeah, well, you kind of have a couple of different uh, ways to approach it. You you can look look up the new wave side of things, in which case you know you've got kind of flock of seagulls as we mentioned. I mean, I think I think some of the Culture Club songs are are, are definitely cool, are, are really good. And then you have like the 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 Motown side of things. There's a song that the Stones did. It may even possibly be a cover uh, called Harlem Shuffle that. It's actually it's the, the the very beginning of it is the uh, what they use at the beginning of the uh, jump around the boom 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 uh that thing uh, and, uh, and and yes. and and that that's a lot of fun. Uh, but, Neil, I just say
3: on uh, uh, next week we're gonna do jump around <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> There's not a lot I can think of. I mean, it makes me think of the psychedelic furs a little bit. That sound, just kind of that that classic eighties new wave sound where they were really crushing that just the synth and that that vibe of music
1: i guess i'll go with jonathan on the culture club thing i this song was almost just kind of baffled me i i just didn't have that many opinions on it i don't really like a lot of the new wave sound so i'm gonna say culture club is fine yeah
2: the, uh, the blue monday by new order that uh how does it feel how does it feel oh well that's new order, yeah awesome.
1: that's that's great i don't even i wouldn't Think of New Order as is similar to this band. But I, what? I see, yeah, no, no, no. I see what you're I see what you're you
2: thinking. should you should hear the uh, the soft self cover of Say It Loud. I'm black and I'm proud. That's when you really don't expect to hear
1: <laughs> two, two white, two white guys from from northern UK.
2: That's uh, when they just went
1: too far with it. It wouldn't be the first time that, that <laughs> England had taken American black yeah. music and
2: thank God though. I mean, honestly, because a lot of good stuff came out of that. And ultimately I think ultimately uh blues and stuff is it's a language and I think it's one that is inherently based on borrowing and trading and copying and uh you know I think by and large like most of the folks uh the English guys who who did that uh, most of them really paid homage to where it came from you know yeah, yeah. I mean folks want to slag on Zeppelin for that but like Zeppelin recognizes like where it came yeah.
3: from and they did plenty of their own work but wasn't yeah. wasn't the early 80s almost like um considered a second british invasion of some yeah a some new guy. wave exactly mm-hmm.
1: a new wave and on that note it is neil's turn to pick a song for next week so neil what are we gonna listen to
3: i think we're gonna go with the classic "Procol harum white shade of pale also could be called a lighter shade of white because it's, <laughs>
2: it's a good song
1: well, yeah. and on that joke we are going to do our own cover of this song
0: Sometimes I feel I've got to Run away, I've got to Get away from the pain Really want. You really won't anymore for me to make things right. You need someone to hold you tight. You think love is a game. But well, I'm sorry I don't play that way. Once I ran to you, now I run from you. This tainted love you've given, give you all a boy could give you. Take my tears, and that's not nearly all. Tainted love. Things and go. Tainted love. Oh, oh, oh. Tainted love. Touch me, baby. Tainted love. Touch me, baby. Tainted love. Tainted love. Oh, oh, oh. Tainted love. Two, three, four. Sitting in an old bar, I was talking to a new friend. I had a bourbon, he was drinking gin. Listening to the rolling stone Disagreed on our favorite song